You're listening to the Holt Center podcast, and today I am sitting down with Jessica Fichot, and she is performing at the Summer Series on August 31st, which is our free outdoor event. So come on down on August 31st at 5.30 to the Holt Center and check it out. Jessica, thanks so much for uh, talking with me. Thanks for having me. Of course. So I want to, we're going to start right from the beginning in case, um, you know, people aren't familiar with uh, your work. So it is extremely eclectic and it's an amazing mix uh, of different world sounds. So where did you, where did you start? How did this all come together? Well, um, I grew up in France, and uh, after I moved to to the U.S., I, I went to college for music in Boston, and then I moved to L.A. And um, the music I had ignored as a child, the the French chanson, you call the French music, I started to get more into it after I discovered some a lot of bands who would sing here in Los Angeles, um, who would sing in different languages, particularly Spanish and English. So I got interested in rediscovering the the language I had kind of ignored in my youth. And I wasn't ignoring it because I was speaking it every day, but I was ignoring it for music. It just seemed kind of lame to me. <laughs> and so after I moved to L.A., I was like, you know, everybody else is doing music in English. I want to do something that's different. And I, I started to to listen to kind of older songs in French. Um, and so that that got me started with the, the French music that I started writing, um, mm-hmm. kind of rediscovering that this uh you know the the sung French language I had ignored as a as a kid, and then um, my mom is originally from from Shanghai from from China, and so I was like, okay, I, I, my Chinese is terrible, but I'm going to learn a little bit more, <laughs> learn some some songs in Chinese, and then I started uh, writing some songs in Chinese with the help of a lyricist, and I got into that as well. And um, you know, living here in California, I started speaking more Spanish and I started singing some songs uh, from Mexico, doing some covers in, in different languages. So that kind of got me started in, in singing uh, music in different languages. So French is kind of the main language I, I write in for my band, but I sing also in English and Mandarin Chinese and in Spanish. And um, I love that my you know people find my music eclectic. Um, I think sometimes people... When I describe my music, saying it's you know in different languages, that it has some Chinese, that it has some French, people think of it as, um, you know, without hearing it, as music that's going to be a little bit, um, you know, difficult to access. Sure. But I like to think it's it, it's very like harmonically very simple. The, a lot of the melodies are very catchy, and um, yeah. I like to think it's very uh, accessible music, really. Yeah, I, I think I think it is for sure. It's 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 not overwhelming. It's just in general quite pleasant to listen oh, to, I, I would like say. <laughs> and, <laughs> I like to uh, hear that. Yeah. <laughs> did you study at uh, Berkeley College of Music? Yes, or? yes okay. I did. Very cool. Uh, for people that don't know, because we're on the West Coast, Berkeley College of Music is, I don't know, one of the best music colleges in the country, I would say. Well, I had a great time, I and mean, it was a while ago when I went there, but I yeah. definitely enjoyed my experience there. What are the challenges that you faced as an independent artist and how have you overcome these? Well, I don't know that I have overcome that. It's a constant <laughs> challenge. Um, I mean, I think it's 
it's always tricky to, like I said, to when, when you're an indie artist and kind of, you know, I, I hate to say it, but unknown <laughs> indie sure. artist, you know, it's it's always tricky, you know, first of all, to to book the gigs and, and also to get people to the shows. Um, and it's still something I struggle with, but I think um, uh, I work with with an agent now. She books these really cool venues like like the Halt Center, for example. It's not something um, that, you know, would be easy to access for a lot of independent musicians. But because mm. of the style of music I do, because it's cultural and also because you guys have a free summer concert series <laughs> that's, um, you know, accessible to the public, it's it's cool to be able to play these kinds of venues. Um, in terms of the challenges, um, I mean, just financially as an indie musician, it it is tricky. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember, and I was thinking actually, so so th this concert I'll be playing at the Halt Center is part of a, a three uh, three gig tour that I'll be doing in uh, August and September. And Oregon has been actually one of the first states I toured in. The, you know, the, oh, cool. the first obviously was was California after I put my band together over a decade ago, and then I started touring um, up and down Oregon. And it used to be that I used to be able to do those tours because I sold CDs. Sure. Of course, now, you know, it's it's different. <laughs> I don't, I still sell some, but not quite as many. Um, I think as, as an indie musician, I've been able to do music full time by doing a lot of different things. So I, I tour yeah. with my band. Um, I also, uh, my first gig as a musician was I, I used to write songs for ESL programs. So songs for kids uh, to teach uh, English as part of educational programs. And I also do um, uh, interactive music for video games, for indie video games. So I do those, those three things kind of as my music core. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and yeah. an investor might say that you've diversified your portfolio. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I have I have questions about those other things, but go ahead and continue. Sorry. No, no, that's about it. I mean, I think I think um, you know, being a full time musician is challenging. I think it's challenging for for everyone um, who tries to go in that field. But yeah, really diversifying your portfolio <laughs> <laughs> and also adapting, you know, to to the new to the changes. You know, like I said earlier, uh, when I was first first touring, it was really uh, merch sales that. Yeah, made me able to go on tour. Um, now it's you know it has to be a little bit different. I've upgraded a little bit the the types of venues I play and and the type of touring I do. I don't um, sleep on people's couches anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, although that part was fun. Um, but yeah, it's it's you know you have to adapt. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's interesting because no matter the level of the musician no one really speaks highly of streaming but it's become the complete norm so yeah and i think it has advantages too you know in in terms of um i mean it it is you know a challenge to to um you know to to find a way to make income as a as an indie musician and and you know streaming hasn't helped my my cd sales <laughs> yeah but, accessi but uh, accessibility i guess like absolutely. Any, anyone in the world can now hear your music really easily yeah. so yeah it's uh, it's got positives and negatives, of course. Um, so, what was the motivation um, to work with like children's music and things like that? Uh, is there a personal connection, or was it, you know, an opportunity just as a musician that you saw that you could, you know, work with? Um, it was really just opportunity. I mean, I, the the way I see it with with my band, um, I don't consider that we do 
you know, we do music for everyone that's like, you know, for, uh, open for, for families. It's not necessarily children's music. Mm -hmm. What I do, uh, you know, writing songs for educational programs. That was the first gig I got out of college. Um, okay. I started writing music for a children's theater that was local. And I remember it was, um, it was local in Boston. And uh, I, I was so proud of having a job as a songwriter, even though it paid $25 a song. <laughs> it was like, this <laughs> is awesome. <laughs> um, and I think it, it, it helped me develop my craft as a songwriter. And I think I, sure. I liked, um, yeah, I think I really liked being able to write very simple, like unapologetically simple songs. Mm -hmm. um, and I think sometimes it's a little tricky for uh, for musicians who have studied music. Sometimes we, you know, we we are a little afraid to write simple. So I think that I, I love simple melodies. I even yeah. like simple harmonies. Um, so I think, um, yeah, it w I, I came across it because an opportunity showed up to or arose to to wrote uh, to write music for children for this theater and later for for ESL programs. There was a publishing company in Boston that hired me. Uh, out of college um, to write, um, yeah, I think I, my first gig was like 20 songs for um, that were a part of books. So like to teach, oh, this lesson's about farm animals okay. and this lesson. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I started with that. That was my first gig as a songwriter and um, it it just kind of fell in my lap. But then I, I think I developed that craft of, of writing really simple music. Yeah. No, that's, that's interesting. That's like, you had to churn it out, but then you're, you're also developing this craft at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I hope so. It's yeah. it's still, you know, work in progress. It's still hard. I've, I've been doing it for so of long course. and yeah. Um, and writing a song also with no deadlines. Like I've, I've been working on, on an album that's been almost done for three years Yeah, <laughs> on, yeah. on a fourth <laughs> album. Uh, and it's, it, yeah, it doesn't get easier in terms of writing uh, writing a song and just finishing it when nobody's pressuring me to finish it. I get that. Yeah. Yeah. It took me a long time to do all my albums. I have three that are released. Uh, I've released one for for the uh, video game that I wrote, but uh, but yeah, this this fourth one, I thought, okay, well, I've done three at this point. This one's going to be easy, and and it hasn't been. <laughs> yeah. Hasn't been easy to finish, um, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I I find the worst is like when it doesn't sound the way you imagined it, because you, if it's your fourth, you want it to be a little bit better here and there, like you want to improve upon things. So then you're over listening to stuff to a certain point. Right. And it's like, do you make it worse or better? It's it's hard to say, you know? Absolutely. Uh, I actually wrote a song about writing songs. Mm. <laughs> uh, um, and it's going to be on the next album, but I've been performing it for, for a while now. And, and uh, I talk about, this process in the song where I, I just, it's such a struggle and I struggle and like have a few ideas. And then there's a moment where I think this is the best song I've ever written. And, uh, I'm actually a genius. Yeah. <laughs> and then I just kind of fall into this. Uh, I'm not sure. No, I'm just going to throw it away. And, um, you know, just kind of the self doubt. Um, and, uh, and after a while, you know, after you've worked on something for so long, you don't have any perspective anymore. So you don't know yeah. if it's good or not. Yeah. Um, one thing I tell, uh, sometimes I do songwriting workshops. And one thing I advise to people, an advice that I don't take myself is, is to show the song. When, um, when you have something, find somebody you know and trust and make them listen to what, you know, or, you know, have them listen <laughs> to what you have. Because, um, yeah, that's, I think you have a little bit more perspective sometimes. Yeah. Right? 
Yeah, that's uh, I, that's another question. You're psychic. You're hitting my questions before I can ask. Them. <laughs> um, so let's jump into that. What ad- other advice would you give uh, aspiring musicians and songwriters, other than have people listen to your music? <laughs> yeah, when 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 you're not uh, when you're not feeling secure or when you're not sure, uh, it does help to have another ear. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say another advice I would give to musicians or anybody in that field is to have a little bit of a sense of humor about yourself. I mean, there's going to be some, sometimes, I mean, it's almost a joke how you can go from one day where you, you know, not just are feeling down, but you're doing this maybe very difficult gig and, um, and it, it feels, um, yeah, it could be kind of humbling, but then the next day you have this, this, amazing thing that happens and uh you know maybe you're playing this really amazing venue or maybe even you have a group of of fans who show up and you're like oh I've been listening to your music for years um you know that could be you know can feel really good but enjoy the ups and downs yeah. I would say good that's nice uh let's circle back to video games uh is this another opportunity or are you a video game uh nerd yourself like how did you get into that into that world well, I've always played um, video games, specifically PC games that I, I grew up with. Um, I, I was talking to my friends the other day, the difference between a nerd and a geek. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm definitely, I play games. Yeah. Um, I, I would be hesitant. I mean, I, I don't know if I would qualify as a gamer, but I've been playing games all my life. And, um, and I love indie games, like the, the games that I played as a kid. Mm-hmm. Now there's kind of a revival of the style in the indie world. And so, um, yeah, I started to write for games. Uh, I took an online class actually at Berkeley online a few years ago. Okay. And then, um, to, to learn specifically about, um, sound design, especially interactive music. So music that, you know, works, it's almost more important that the music works for the context as opposed to the music being good. Like if you have good music that just keeps on looping in a game, it just kind of drives you crazy. The, the music shouldn't feel overwhelming if you're, yeah. you know, playing a very calm game or maybe just exploring the world. Um, it, it Learning about this type of music that's more atmospheric mm-hmm. doesn't, um, doesn't feel like it's bothering you. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's, uh, you know, that, that was tricky, but also how to integrate it in the game. Um, I don't know a lot of programming, but there's a middleware software where you can integrate um, the music in a game. And also when you're writing the music, you have to figure out, okay, how is this actually going to work? Like here we have a loop here. Maybe you find when your big boss arrives, maybe the music changes. How is it going to change in a way that it's doesn't feel like it's changing. It's seamless. Like all this is, is quite, you know, it's quite tricky and gets a little bit technical. Yeah. Cause you're, Uh, you're, you're doing music cues, but they can't rely on just one solid piece of music because someone could walk from one end of the screen much slower than someone else. So like exactly. to get to the boss fight, you know, that might for someone, it might take five seconds for someone else. It might take 10 seconds. So that cue still has to work. With, and for some people yeah. it might take five hours. Yeah, so exactly. either, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Either way it has to work. And that's definitely one of the challenges. Yeah. Um, but it's also fun like to, to find uh, because I work on the, on, you know, so far really very indie games. I have, control over how I want the music to 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 work and mm-hmm. every game has a little bit its own system um sure. so the last game I I did I I wrote the music for it's called Growbot came out oh a couple uh when, when was it 
I guess almost a couple of years ago now, a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And um, and it it worked with layers. So every room, like every level maybe had one layer and every room would have an additional layer and the layers would kind of fade it in and out. Okay. Um, um, so there was, yeah, d- different different games have different systems. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and, and when they work together seamlessly, it's like you you when you're when you're playing a game you, you don't even notice it kind of but like exactly. your brain does and then because sometimes i find myself i'm like oh i want that video game soundtrack and it's not like you were listening to the video game soundtrack but it was a part of your whole like journey in that video game so it's a pretty unique experience uh to yeah, ex- exactly experience music yeah it's almost like you sometimes you you feel it more than hear it yeah yeah, that's a good way to describe it. It's video games have a unique power. I think we we kind of lose. There's so many vi- violent video games that are just focused on that. That the art of video games, which we're seeing with indie developers, is uh, it's very important. And I think it's it's much more yeah. of an art than people are giving it credit for. I mean, it's funny because I, I I'm so much in the indie uh, video game world. I actually feel at this point like I haven't worked on a game very recently, um, but I'm still part of that community. It's it's mm-hmm. quite I mean I think a quite a friendly community, um, and uh, I always find myself when I talk to people who don't know much about video games, I find myself defending the medium quite a lot because I I know the types of games I play uh, and the types of game that can be made, and it's definitely not only um, yeah you know, violent uh, shooter games. What are some themes that you like to explore in your music? You talked about writing a self-aware song about writing a song, (laughs) but for people that maybe, you know, don't speak uh, French or things like that, like what's your subject matter in general when you are singing? Um, Yeah, that's a tricky one. I mean, I'll write whatever... Um, I feel inspired by um, in the past this album is a little different because in the past I did write a lot of songs about love mm-hmm. uh, specifically loss of love um, and I kind of it's not like I don't have any loss of love songs in, in this slowly upcoming album uh, but I have a little bit less mm-hmm. um, um, I always tell people there's a debate among songwriters, like, do you write when you're happy or do you write when you're depressed or sad? And uh, I I think I write more when I'm, you know, maybe not happy, but, you know, content, um, but thinking about the times when I was not. Um, So the, the, because the moments when I'm actually, you know, very sad or, you know, depressed or melancholic, i will not have the energy to to write a song. But thinking about those moments afterwards at a time when I'm actually feeling, you know, comfortable with my life or just joyful and I, I have this drive to write, then I'll usually revert back to those mom- those more introspective moments sure. and write about that experience. So, yeah. you know, loss of love ha- had had been a, um, a topic in the past. Um, there's still some of that. Um, and yeah. And songs about travel um, sometimes, but yeah, I, I can't quite pinpoint a particular subject. There's there's a lot of different different ones, and even actually in this, like I said, slowly upcoming yeah. album, uh, I yeah I yeah I recount a story that somebody told me that's actually not my experience, but I thought it was very moving, and uh, yeah, nice. like it, it 
tips, just some, you know, things that inspire you and things you feel touched by. Yeah. That's cool. I personally just throw spaghetti at the wall and make, just put words together that kind of fit whenever I do this. And I'm like, oh, that kind of makes sense. Do you, do you write lyrics and music? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Which one do you write first? I do them simultaneously. I get that. (laughs) Yeah. So it's, if I, if I am writing like a, a vocal melody going, going along with some guitar part, uh, words will just come out and then those words might make it through the whole thing. Sometimes they don't. Right. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes they're, t- I mean, I, I've done this too. Like sometimes they're kind of, they're temporary because you want to sing something. And uh, yeah. I also think for, for me, I mean, it's, I always find it fascinating. People can write different ways. I don't think there's one right one. Uh, but for me, I'm, I'm not an amazing instrumentalist. So it's better for me to write with my voice. Mm-hmm. Um, because if I wrote, for example, on the piano, I would be limited by my piano skills. Uh, whereas if I write with my voice and then try to figure out what the piano is going to do or even hire somebody else to do it, um, it could work a little bit better. Yeah. But um, I often write with concept first. So it's lyrical concept and, you know, groove concept. Um, before, I mean, that could happen kind of simultaneously. It could be just like, oh, I really want to write a song about writing songs. And I think it's going to be really up-tempo. And probably a little, you know, uh, jazz manouche style and the words are going to be very fast. And then, you know, I'll write that. Yeah, cool. That's always interesting to hear people's process. And how do you engage with uh, your audience? Do you connect with them on a personal level? Are you just kind of in the shadows? And what's what's your what's your style? Well, because I sing in in languages that people in the audience don't necessarily speak. Um, And actually, I feel very comfortable with that. Like sometimes when I sing too much in English, it makes me a little bit Mm. (laughs) self-conscious. Like I I like singing in in these languages. If if people, you know, or some some people in the audience are like me, I like to listen to music I don't necessarily understand or I don't necessarily understand every single word. Um, But I like the sound of it. Um, And so because I sing in these other languages, I'll talk. I usually talk a little bit about you know, the song, whether it's the content of the lyrics or just, you know, how I came, came ac- uh, across it, mm-hmm. if there's any history to it. So I, I, and I find that for the most part, uh, unless I'm doing really like background music, um, you know, cause I do some gigs, sure. I, I play background music, uh, that I, I feel like people really connect, you know, with the little stories. Um, so I, you know, that's one of the ways I, I engage, um, the other thing is I, I do a lot of songs that are quite lively where people, you know, can clap, you know, can clap or just uh, uh, possibly dance if, if they know some dance moves. But uh, recently I found that I actually just in the last month, I, I played a lot. I think I played a dozen schools, um, school assemblies here in Los Angeles uh, where I played for kids and I discovered, OK, there are some songs like any song where there's any kind of interaction, even if it's clapping or a song gets like faster and faster at the end mm-hmm. um um you know the kids really liked it i was like okay that's this is really interesting to see these songs you know those kind of interactive songs tend to work well yeah and um and i've added some songs that have kind of a question answer uh feel where you know i'll sing something and then the the crowd kind of repeats it or yells it back mm-hmm. and um it worked really well with with the kids, and even if it wasn't in, in different languages, even I, I do this song in Chinese, um, and, and the kids were singing it yeah. with the Chinese lyrics. That's uh, cool because it was very, yeah, very simple and um, yeah. 
Yeah, I like that. So that that's another way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jessica, where can people find your music and tune in? Well, I have a website. It's uh, www.jessicasongs.com. I use the the website Jessica Songs because people don't always know how to write my name, <laughs> um, which is Jessica Fichot. And I also have uh, Instagram and Facebook and YouTube, um, Jessica Fichot Music. So that's great. It. Awesome. So come on down to the Holt Center Thursday, August 31st at 530 for our free summer series show with Jessica Fichot. It's going to be great. Thank Thanks you. so much. Thank you. Yalla la la, yalla la la, 